In the wrestling world, the people are represented by two separate but unequally important groups. The wrestlers and bookers, who literally do all the hard work, and the fans, who endlessly nitpick and overanalyze everything they do. These are their stories. Maybe we could call the police. These are the police. Welcome to Raw and Order Wrestling Booking Unit, the only wrestling podcast on the planet. And check this out, I've done a little bit of research. The only one on the planet that's hosted by two guys from Nebraska pretending to be law enforcement prosecuting air quotes crimes in professional wrestling. So, you know, that's good. Uh, I'm joined as... (laughs) I'm joined as always by my partner in crime fighting district attorney... Hey, Fabe. That is Erwin Michael Keith Fabe. Correct, correct. I am Officer Mark Smarks, and um, we're going to apologize to start with uh, this being a little delayed. Life has gotten in the road for both of us. Uh, We're still trying to get adjusted to uh, the podcasting schedule, and I suddenly had to, on very short notice, move my whole family about two blocks. Um, so, so I've been busy with that a lot, and, and, uh, DA Fabe has his own stuff going on, so we're a little bit late this week, and, um, last week's episode, first one was a little bit longer than we were hoping to be, so we're gonna try to keep this a little shorter this year, this time. Um, you're like, just get- I think both of us should have talked to the commissioner about delaying this a little bit beforehand. So, yeah, but I mean, I've never met him, so I don't know about you, well, but... I mean, I don't even know what his name is, but... Yeah, he's been completely anonymous to us, so... It's really weird to have an anonymous commissioner. Anyway, Totally weird. So, uh, I'm just going to start this one off right off the bat. First okay. crime uh, is for uh crime against Cody Rhodes and All Elite Wrestling... And the crime is doing exactly what they said they were going to be doing and then still getting yelled at by the wrestling community as a whole um, for it. Okay? So uh, they started off, they said, uh, wins and losses are going to matter, records are going to matter, it's going to be important, all of this. And everyone was all excited, and then they started their shows, their pay-per-views. They haven't started their weekly show, of course, yet. Started their pay-per-views, and they have a couple of them down. And then they announced that for uh, the next pay-per-view, it's going to be Cody Rhodes versus newly crowned champion Chris Jericho. And the internet exploded with people. See, it's just they're just doing just like WCW did. Uh, the leaders are booking themselves into into the top feuds and yada 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 and all of this stuff. And I just want to point out, they're doing exactly what they said they were going to do. Wins and losses are going to matter, and they still matter right now. So who got the first shot at the championship? We, of course, know Chris Jericho won it, and Adam Page, right? Adam Page so far has wrestled four matches. He's won three of them, and he's lost one. Gets the first shot. You know who's second on that list? Cody Rhodes. Four matches, one three, and tied one. Uh, one, two, and tied one. I thought um, he had a tag match. Oh, no, he lost one, it, too. Yeah, and that's the deal. And the tag match, you know, I mean... He won one. Yeah. 
So that's the deal. So he's up there. The next one on the list is Frankie Kazarian, who's so far been exclusively tag. Uh, you know, we got Matt Jackson and Nick Jackson, who both have won three, but they're, of course, tag. Pentagon Jr. and Ray Phoenix have won two. They're tag. Riho's won three. Guess what? Riho's got a shot at the championship on the first show. Uh, yeah, Scorpio Sky with two. Christopher Daniels with two wins. Once again, tag team. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I'm going down this list. You can't use SCU because, again, all of their stuff's been tag team. Exactly. That's my point. So, if you look at the singles wrestlers of this, the ones who've wrestled more than one match, which is most of them, you know, it cuts about half of them off, right? Then you get rid of the, the women's because they're, of course, going to go after the women's title, right? Cody is the one that's got the best record. He even went on an interview this week and said, hey, this all could change. If I lose my match on the first week of of AEW on TNT, guess what? I'm going to be out of this ta- uh, championship match. Uh, he said, hey, if Chris Jericho loses before then, then he might be out of it, you know, not have the thing. Card subject to change. So they're doing exactly what they said they were going to do. And the wrestling community just went, ah, WCW, Now, you and I have said... The other thing thing to remember is that uh, in terms of that roster size, full-time has wrestled more than one match, roster men, because we're going to use the men, obviously, for the example that's being brought up. Um, Full-time has wrestled more than one match. You've got the champion... You've got Kenny Omega, who has the worst record Kenny Omega's ever had in his life. Mm-hmm. You've got a guy yeah, down with... You've got a guy down with Mursa. You've got Joey Janela, who's lost two matches, including to the guy with Mursa. You've got... Um, yep. Jimmy Havoc, who is one-on-one. Um, you know, you just... And, and you have to count the fact that a lot of those guys, their only match or their only match prior to the last card was the the Battle Royal. It's okay to have Cody booked into the match or into the championship match, and you don't even have to necessarily put it on him. In fact, it really sets up to build a longer storyline, and, and we talked a little bit about this on our show last week um, uh, on the uh, Fantasy Booking Show. It sets up the longer storyline for the Sean Spears rivalry. Exactly. And just to interject here really quickly. Yeah. So to interject really quickly, though, if you haven't listened to the Fantasy Booking Show, go listen to it. Uh, We enjoyed doing it a lot. So quick listen, only like 24 minutes long. So uh, give it a shot. Let us know what you think on that one, because we're pretty proud of that one. And we're going to try to do that one weekly as well. So anyway. That was a lot of fun. I mean, you you and I have said before, you, know, you hear all these wrestling people talking about how uh, they shouldn't try to be like WCW. We're worried that they're just going to be like WCW again. But you and I have talked about it uh, in person. They totally do want to be like WCW. Circa 1995 through 1998. Right? Yeah, well, and most importantly be different. If you've ever listened to 83 Weeks, fantastic podcast. Um, in fact, the other crime we're going to talk about is a recent episode I listened to, so I'm going cold case a little bit with it. Um, Excellent. But uh, 
Um, the uh, if you've ever listened, Bischoff's primary goal, you can, and he's absolutely right. You can be better than, you can be less than, or you can be different than. Well, if they try to be the same as Vince, they either have to be better than, or they're going to be less than WWE. There's there there is no doing the same thing that's done in WWE and being different, mm-hmm. or and, and and being either better or and being the same. You're either going to be better than or worse than. And if exactly. you're doing the same thing as WWE does, you're probably going to be worse than because you, whether or not Tony Khan has more money than Vince McMahon, Tony Khan's entire income isn't based on wrestling. There's that. I mean, and like you said, uh, being different then, and that's what led WCW to beating Raw in the ratings for that record 83 weeks. And it wasn't that, like you said, it wasn't that they were better then, necessarily, although I personally enjoyed Nitro more than Raw at the time. I was a WCW mark. Uh, but in reality, it's really that they were different. They were a breath of fresh air that came in, and for 83 weeks, were able to beat the juggernaut. Now, what you're looking yeah. at is we need AEW to be that WCW, but not be the WCW circa late 98, early 99, and so forth, right? Come in, be different, don't let the backstage stuff get to you, uh, don't merge with Time Warner, because if you listen to 83 Weeks, you know that was really the death knell in WCW is the merger. It was when they weren't able to do all the stuff that had made them different anymore. And truth be told, WWE ended up, in order to beat WCW, they ended up not, and and Bischoff would, would say otherwise, but they ended up being different than WWE, number one. And number two, they ended up being different than WCW. And Bischoff would say otherwise on that. He'd say they copied them. Uh, no, they had one man who was fighting the authority, and WCW had a faction who tried to overthrow the authority, which is two, di- two totally different concepts. Yeah, I mean, it, it really was. Uh, NWO came in, and they were they were supposed to be the bad guys, you know? Yeah. And eventually they became cool, but they were supposed to be the bad guys that we rooted against and rooted for WCW. DX, however... Well, that however, might be copyright infringement calling them the bad guys, Chico. <laughs> but uh, DX was the opposite. DX were the good guys coming in to fight against the evil overlord of Vince McMahon. Stone Cold was the evil was going against the evil overlord of Vince McMahon. So it was a different thing. Exactly. Anyway, we've railed on that enough. This, not, this, not that this crime is about booking, but that is one thing to remind, remember that you and I have both talked about a lot is that good guys don't have to be friends with good guys because no. HBK lost the title to Stone Cold right before this whole Vince thing happened. Mm-hmm. Well, and good guys don't have to be friends with good guys, although they do have to stand up for good guys. That's what makes them good guys. Uh, yeah. Bad guys don't have to be friends with each other, and they don't even have to stand up for the other bad guys because, you know what, F that guy. He's not yeah, my friend. I'm a bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm out for he's me. closer to the title than me. I don't care. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and so, and that's, that brings me just on a quick aside to one of the things that has frustrated me so much about WWE recently, 
and it's uh, they're booking a Finn Bauer. We talked a little bit about it, uh, but uh, Finn Bauer they kind of pitched him as like this super good guy who's out to to save people and save the company and everything. But they never have him come out when someone else is getting attacked, right? Like, you go back to WCW, yep. Sting, Sting was the good guy, NWO's out there beating up someone, doesn't matter if he has any ties to Sting, uh, Sting would show up and take him out, and then leave. Yeah, because he's a good guy. Yep. I mean, unless he stayed in the rafters for that short, yeah. you know, year and a half. Exactly. So, <laughs> anyway, so enough about that one, what's your crime? Well, uh, we have to come up with... with a little more evidence on, I think, your crime before we okay. get too far. So there's other evidences to be provided here because there's this is this is either an indictment of one crime or an indictment of two crimes or the inverse, an indictment of no crimes or the opposite crime. And so I think there's actually four crimes to discuss here or two crimes to discuss with four different verdicts. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you're really saying, number one, good job, AEW, for making wins and losses matter. But where's your stance on booking the elite? I think uh, they, they have to walk a very uh, very thin line here. You know, they can't book themselves too strong because then, like we've seen, people rail against uh, them saying they're just doing like Kevin Nash, book himself to win the title. Uh, but I look at it, and you, like you said, Kenny Omega's losing. He's, he looks like he's lost. That's a great storyline for well, potentially... And, uh, until, until Cody got his second win, um, yeah. until he got his second win, you really didn't think much of Cody being that possibility. Mm-hmm. Again, it's, it's just... It's, number one, you're going to have the elite. There, There are... If you take the four members of the elite or the seven members of the elite, including SCU, or the ten members of the elite, including Adam Page and, and you know, Chris Jericho and, and these early signees, well, of course they're going to have more wins and losses. They've been there longer. And by the way, it's over half the roster. Well, you yeah. Know, and where's the elite? Yeah, they are the well, elite. That was their whole thing. They were the best in the world, right? You, I, I have nothing against Kip Sabian. He's entertaining when he's out there wrestling, but you can't have Kip Sabian out of nowhere suddenly be at the top of your food chain because he's not the elite. That, I, I would say that amongst our top five favorite wrestlers for both of us, in fact, probably the only common common factor amongst our top five right now. Um, we might add, whoops and have another one that we both agree with, but in terms of favorites, not best, not anything else, but favorites is Orange Cassidy. And I think neither of us would say, well, Orange Cassidy should be in that title shot. Not right away, no. literally doesn't make sense right now to put Orange Cassidy on that title shot. It also doesn't make sense for one of my favorites in AEW, actually my other favorite in AEW, Luchasaurus, to be <laughs> in the title shot, and I want to see him in a title shot, um, but he's not, and that's okay. Um, it doesn't make sense to have Tommy Dreamer come in and you know have to oil up the joints to be able to walk old Tin Man, 
<laughs> and and to get into the ring. Um, it doesn't make sense that him or Billy Gunn or any of these other personalities that are established come in and be part of this. And so I think I I have to agree. I have to. I mean, I'm, I'm obviously not going to give my verdict. We're expecting the the jury to give their verdict. Um, exactly. But um, you know, I, I have a really difficult time prosecuting any of the crimes that are being submitted online, with the exception of saying. Um, I'm going to prosecute the fans for being a little bit fickle about a promotion that's two shows, two broadcast shows in, you know, that weren't, that weren't online. Mm-hmm. And exactly. And that's why my, my crime is the crime of being good at what you do and doing it the right way, even though, uh, the wrestling community has been stupid about it. So. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it's an indictment against the wrestling community by way of praising AEW, is my argument. Absolutely. Okay, fair enough. Uh, On to your crime. Second crime. Second crime is, um, Bischoff unfairly released, um, Flair for going to his son's karate tournament. Mmm. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, okay, so the reason I say that that is a major crime is I truly believe that there are some characters that are outside the law. Um, or there are instances, and I guess this kind of associates with the, the last crime. There are instances where things are outside the law. Um, Reed won that tournament, the karate tournament. Which is awesome. Bischoff loves karate. He's a black belt in whatever he's a black out, black belt in. Doesn't really matter. Um, but I would say hands down that at a certain point there needs to be some awareness, some maturity. And I think that from what I understand, Flair may not have handled it with the most maturity saying, I'm Ric Flair, or I'm taking the weekend off. You can't do anything about it. Um, I don't think he was fired. I think I think Bischoff's legit about that. Um, but I do think he. I think he did the right move in making a storyline. Um, and I guess what's your do you know what I'm talking about in '98? When- yeah, I, re- I remember. It's been a while since I heard that episode of '83 weeks, but if I remember correctly, yeah, like you said, Ric Flair. Uh, kind of handled it poorly by just basically saying, I'm not going to show up and nothing you can do about it because I'm Ric Flair. And Bischoff was like, but I we had this whole storyline planned for you to be here and, you know, do stuff, do Ric Flair stuff. And so that kind of put Bischoff behind the eight ball. He had to do something. Uh, that said, I do think Bischoff has to be, in, as much as he defends himself, I think he has the entire ability to be a douche in oh, oh. sensitive situations. No, oh, no doubt about it. I mean, like I said, you and I both enjoyed listening to the podcast. We enjoyed watching WCW when it was on. We've, we're looking forward to seeing as Bischoff gets more and more in charge and in control on SmackDown, what comes of it. But we both yeah. also agree we probably wouldn't like actually hanging out with the guy for very long. Uh, no, I mean, I think know. he's a beer for the afternoon. Maybe a yeah. hunting trip for me. 
Yeah, um, meet, meet up with them, hang out with them for an afternoon, and then move on with our lives and and have a good story to tell our family and friends about that time we spent yeah. hanging out with Take their friends. So I, yeah. my my actual crime though, the crime is is against Flair because Flair, at the end of the day, um, well no, I, I guess maybe it's more against Bischoff because sometimes you have to have some flexibility. I think he could have flexed his muscle with the other members of the staff without flexing his muscle again. Yeah, I Flair. Yeah, I kind of agree. I think, like I said. The, the tough thing is he's in he's in a tough spot because you're also having to look back and say what message does this send to the other wrestlers out there? And I'm not talking Disco Inferno uh, down the card or whatever, but I'm talking you know if Ric Flair doesn't have any sort of repercussions for this, you know Scott Hall and Kevin Nash sitting up there in the main card as well start thinking well, well if Rick we're talking '98 Goldberg. You know, Goldberg, Goldberg yeah. or or Scott Steiner, who's obviously BS crazy. You know, uh, yeah, very very. And that's the deal. Yeah, to think right. of them saying, "Well, if Ric Flair didn't get any punishment for it, then I'm just going to no show." You know, what can they do? So there's a precedent that he, I'm sure he had to kind of live with. Whether he handled it exactly right, I guess we'll probably have to leave up to the jury. But you know, he was in kind of a difficult spot. He had to do something, I think. And then making yeah. a storyline, I fired Ric Flair because you wouldn't show up, yada, yada, yada. That's that was brilliant. Is. On that side, that's, that's brilliant. Exactly. You know, there were times where he made wrestling emulate real life, and it was a horrible, horrible, horrible decision. Um, but when it's a business-related decision that is not about anything that's a personal effect in life, you know, you, you probably... You probably don't talk about, well, especially now, you don't talk about Benoit woman leaving Kevin Sullivan, Kevin Sullivan, yeah. booking him into himself into a divorce, um, and and then lifelong regret. And then I feel I, I do murder. feel really bad for Kevin. Yeah, I feel really bad for Kevin Sullivan because he has to live with these thoughts and once again it's not his fault nothing that no. happened was his fault it is entirely no. on Benoit but regret doesn't live with logic regret lives with the, that voice in the back of your head that says if only I would have done something different so yeah, if only um, I hadn't booked her to bang my or booked him to bang my wife you know yeah um, and then he you know actually banged my wife and then you know uh, then oh uh, yeah yeah and then he actually, uh, wow, that's really insensitive. We might cut yeah. that one. <laughs> we are going to stop there on that train of thought. So, Moving on. To, no, um, yeah, uh, you have a third crime? That one was really short have, because there's not a lot to it. Yeah. And that's going to be, I mean, cold cases, there's always uh, kind of a tough time coming up with real evidence because it's been so long. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, this one, this one's a fun one because my crime is against the Irish whip to back body drop for never, ever effing working anymore. What? Seriously. I, I, okay, provide some evidence because you, I mean, yes, I know people I, run up and kick and stuff like that, but. I, I've just, I've been keeping like mental note. I don't have the actual uh, statistics in front of me, but on WWE TV at least, in the last six months, I have not seen a single Irish whip into back body drop that was successful. 
they either they either kick or they roll over. Uh, most of the time, it's kick. The guy puts him into the ropes and then bends down to telegraph his back body drop, and then he get kicked. And here's the deal is, that's fine. I'm not saying that reversals like that shouldn't happen, but occasionally, I need to see the, the move actually hit. I need to see it be successful, or else it becomes the Ric Flair climbing up to the top rope to jump off and then just get thrown down by the, the opponent gimmick. Well, okay, so, and it's funny you bring up, so this is basically the the moves that never work and maybe sometimes should, and but you also kind of have to clump in with that, the moves as an example, as a un, unique other side to that. What was Ric Flair's flip into the turnbuckle off the Irish whip into the turnbuckle? What was that? I mean, yeah, I know Charlotte does it now and gets out, but Flair looked like he mutilated his body when he did it. Yeah, well, and, and that was the deal. That was his way of at least selling that this Irish whip was devastating because it threw me so hard that I couldn't do but anything but flip over the turnbuckle and blah. It was the same thing with his with, with his three-step and then fall flat on his face thing. It's all so selling. That, and that's... Was, okay, so that was the... They threw me that hard that it caused that or was that a defense to do that move? I always read it as as the move was devastating. That's what happened. Is I flip it over and then and then I'm all discombobulated, so I fall down. The reason that I was asked, always the way because I, I read it the same way when I was young. But Charlotte does it now as a defense to it. Indeed, which might be so an I indictment on her. Supposed to be. Well, I, I, yeah, maybe that's our fourth crime. We'll finish your this crime and then we'll use that as our fourth. Potentially, yeah. Um, and so that's the deal. I'm just like, like, you know, the, this is really just an exemplary crime, but there are so many of those moves that at one point were legitimate moves and now have just become kind of rote moves that, that never actually do what people think they're going to do, you know what I mean? Or what yeah. they were originally supposed to. The back body drop, I don't know if I've seen, I know I've seen a back body drop hit uh, but not, not sunset flip. like a sunset flip, things like that. But that, but that's a, that's a perfect example. Is they they flip them into the ropes, they go for the back body drop, the person jumps over, sunset flips them. I have not seen like an Irish whip back body drop work in a long time. The other ones that kind of are guilty by association, in my opinion, are the the throw the person into the turnbuckle buckle and they do the up and over, right? Where they yep. kick their legs up and the other person. For some reason, ducks underneath them. And that's just, in my opinion, an execution problem. Uh, that if you look back, the people who did that originally, they were kicking their legs up so high that the person running in for a splash behind them didn't have to duck. But yeah. now, everyone has to duck and it just looks so like, oh, this is, this is where I go under you. Instead well, of, this is where I'm trying to hit you with a move. Yeah, instead of this could be a perfectly legal groin shot if I wanted it to be. Exactly. Just or, run my face right into your groin. <laughs> That's disgusting, though. Um, or it could be the, the, the Irish whip between the two ropes, the lay down on the ground. What are you trying? I've literally never seen that accomplish anything in my life, with the exception yeah. of Matt Hardy doing a drop kick into it. I, I saw at one point... 
One point on an indie show I was watching, someone did it where they tripped. But See, my yeah, argument you still... Use that for, you could probably use that to set up the 619. That would be cool. If that ever happens, that would be awesome. Which, which brings us to another it. small crime. What, why is it that it's only against Rey Mysterio that people fall into the second rope like that? <laughs> Never well, happens against anyone else. How come, how come when, when Randy Orton is doing the second rope DDT, how come nobody ever just bends their legs and walks in and defends themselves? They, oh my gosh, I'm sitting the board while he told you this way. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, okay. so those, those, those are all crimes under the same thing. Okay, and, I'll, and I'll accept it. And, and I still do. I accept these things. But at some point, it would be nice to see things like Randy Orton's um, DDT be countered or somebody fall into the top rope and dangle there in the top rope and Rey Mysterio will be like, well, I guess it's going to be an abdomen kick because I can't do a 619 to the top. Yeah. Or to the bottom rope and Rey tries a 619 even lower, which would be cool. Potentially. Um, You know, I mean, so those ones are the ones and eventually they become, well, this never worked. I'm guessing at some point things like the Irish whip into the turnbuckle hurt a lot more than they do now. Um, I'm guessing things like, um, oh shoot, but you know, the funny thing is the thumb poke to the eye is equally effective now as it was in 1943. Oh yeah, that's, that's still <laughs> devastating. <laughs> it is, it is. And apparently so is the roll up. Um, <laughs> You know, yeah, the most I mean, devastating move in professional wrestling right now. The roll-up. No one knows how to kick out of it. No, no one at in all. Particular, in particular, you, Smojo. Sorry, guy. <laughs> That's booking at its worst, pal. Yeah. Smojo and whoever is the 24-7 championship. You know. That's, uh... So, this crime really is... Yes, you have a specific crime, and you're going with the back body drop not working anymore. But I think as a whole, this crime has become more of a, why are, why aren't we maintaining more suspension of disbelief? Well, yeah. I mean, the simple fact is you have to make moves look legitimate to make us be surprised when they don't work. To protect a finisher, it's got to work, right? If someone's always checking out of a finisher. The only protected one in WWE right now is really the F5. And yes, there were a couple kickouts in 2018 and 2017, but as a whole, it's really mm-hmm. the only only protected one. We're working on maybe the stop being a protected one a little bit. Yeah. Well, especially uh, when it hits like, four or five of them, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, After a grain shot. So, which, which, as an aside, the news came out this week that Michael Cole and Corey Graves are going to be the commentators for uh, SmackDown on Fox, um, which, which I'm not exactly excited about because I'm tired of Michael Cole, frankly. I like Corey Graves, but I'm tired of Michael Cole, and I'm mostly tired of him saying things like, it's the stomp, or he's in the drop zone, or, of course, the most recent one. It's boss time. So, um, so at least him being on SmackDown, though, uh, currently at least, Seth Rollins being the Universal Champion, 
is the stomp's not going to be directly in front of Michael Cole on the regular basis. So we at least win a little bit there. I think what he's looking for is his his JR saying, Stone Cold, Stone Cold, Stone Cold. He's stomping, I'm not holding him. Or, you know, all the different things that JR used to say. Yeah, I agree. Uh, uh, the thing is, Michael Cole is not JR. Michael no. Cole isn't, isn't Tony Schiavone. Michael I, Cole might, I might be Mike Tanay or Scott Hudson. I would like to see Michael Cole just do the, like, if you're gonna go to a three-man set, the, the play-by-play needs to be seriously just play. Become Pat Summerall. Like, that's who I want you to be. I want you to be play-by-play. You'll have the occasional opinion, but you have two color people there. And they can do the color. Let them do it. Um, even Renee does better color than him while he's trying to do play-by-play. He did good color. I mean, back when he was the with the uh, hornswoggle angle under the ring, I can't remember what that angle was. Remind me to ask the commissioner later, okay? Yeah, um, I'll remind you to ask the person we don't know who they are. Oh. Anyway, Wait, well, hornswoggle hey, under the ring. Remind DA Fabe to ask the person we don't know who he is of that question. Perfect. Um, so we'll ask the commissioner. Maybe I'll get an email or something. Uh, <laughs> uh, sorry. But, no, I, I, I think that I agree with you. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Cole. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of Graves. And I don't know how a two-man crew is going to do right now because they've been so reliant on good guy color commentator, bad guy color commentator, play-by-play with, like, almost a, a color commentation referee role. Is that kind of how you feel it right now? Yeah, and that's what, I mean, I'm hoping the AEW, they've made hints that they might be going to a two, two-man two team for the TV tapings and break out the three-man team for just the, the pay-per-views. And I'm hoping they do that because you and I have talked multiple times before about the heydays, of professional wrestling, the best times, uh, best memories, were two-man co- commentating crews on both teams, oh. right? I mean, how so fantastic yes. was it here in Macho Man and Vince? Ma- I miss Macho Vince and Vince. Mike. I miss. Ma- I literally miss Vince McMahon on on um, on announced team. Mm-hmm. So, much. so you like think McMahon and Macho? We had Tony Schiavone and. Bobby Heenan or Larry Zabisco, you know, whoever was there. You, of course, had uh, Bischoff and Bobby Heenan for a long time. That was well, awesome. Bischoff was usually Heenan. with a three-man crew. He did two-man crew for he did two-man crew for the beginning, and then when the NWO started to come up, he switched to a three because he could keep going missing. Um, and then they never really played by I'm sure he's not doing anything else. <laughs> Except for losing his wife. Wow, that's two white jokes for WCW. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> yeah. So, Whoops. so do you do you have a crime number four or do we want to rapid shot through a couple crimes I, that I've got I here? Think, I think the, well, I think my crime number four was just kind of continuing with that. I If we have enough time, though, I can do another crime if you want to do another crime. It's up to you, man. 
Okay. I, like I said, I've got a couple of rapid shot ones that I've got to get through at, at the end, but they're crime, short and... Crime number four. Using nicknames that become time encompassing. So one, we had a conversation earlier this week. Uh, I don't remember if it was part of our podcast or not. Um, that's sad. I should remember the podcast better than that. But well, they say memory is the second thing to go, so. I already know I don't rem- the first. I don't but remember what the first one is. I have for that. <laughs> I have for that. So. Anyway. Hashtag not sponsored. Hashtag still not sponsored. Um, <laughs> um, and and that is things like Chris Canyon's title as the innovator of offense. And then Edge having the same title, which does not make neither of those make nearly as much sense as, say, currently Ricochet being called the innovator of offense. The other crime that I think of is the best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be. Great line. Fantastic to put the ring. Um, and arguably, they have done the true. best there is at the time and the best that there was. But the best that there ever will be, mm, definitely. I, mean, I don't even know I, that you could argue that he was the best there was. He might have been the I, best technical wrestler of all time. I mean, in the end, the best there ever will be, that's uh, totally unprovable. That's unsubstantiated, yeah. you know. So I get I get it. I've, I think uh, there are a lot of people who have been guilty of of that over the years. Um, grandizing the game has a time limit, time limit, you know. And, and so I, I prefer time limit-based Congratulations to AEW for having time limit based matches. I also prefer time limit based nicknames. Things like the innovator of this, it doesn't work because somebody else will make an innovation beyond that. Don't they automatically become what you once were and now you're not that anymore? True. Yeah, I, I guess I'm I'm pretty much in agreement with you on this, so I don't have a whole lot to, to counterpoint that with. Um, you know, but I mean, it even goes to the man, right? Becky Lynch is going off on the man right now, and that's great and everything. But here's the deal. Eventually, someone else is going to be the man. And if it's a yep. woman, great. And if it's a man again, great. Uh, but eventually, and if someone it's else is going to be after a lawsuit again, great. Great, I guess. Nice little current I mean, event yeah. that we haven't had a chance to discuss yet. <laughs> yeah, that's opening a can of worms there. <laughs> that could be a whole episode in and of itself. It should, it sure uh, could be. God bless you, Ric Flair. I, I just want to interject on that, that I've been hearing people calling themselves the man since long before I even knew who Ric Flair was, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm the, man, I'm the man. Yeah. I'm the man has been a bragging thing since forever, you know? Really? And so for him to claim just because he used the phrase to be the man, you got to beat the man, that he has, should have some rights to it, I, I'm suspicious. He also never called himself the man. No. He never directly said, I'm the man. Now, I can say I know of only one woman ever to refer to herself in a professional manner 
as the man. I think I think WWE's got a solid case on this one. Yeah. The only uh, argument WWE uh, that against WWE is just the fact that calling herself the man kind of originated during her feud with Charlotte, who kind of had said that to be the man, you got to beat the man, sort of a thing. But yeah, I think that's tenuous at best. So. Well, and I, hey. I think yeah. Go on. All right, so okay. you got these quick-fire ones. Are these quick gotta, like, I'm going to say guilty, not guilty, or what? I'm just putting them out there into the ether so other people can either agree or disagree with them. These are, let's just call these misdemeanors, traffic fines, for lack of a better term. Um, the first one, WWE is charged with the crime of continuing to do contract signing segments, even though nobody ever wants to see them. They're not entertaining at all, and they always end up in a schmuck. Uh, yeah, the, the crime is that it's a fraud. It's an absolute fraud. There's a to even be on a WWE te- television, with the exception of Jeff Jarrett, who coaxed them out of three hundred fifty thousand um, dollars. Yeah, there, I mean it, it's a fraud. You're not. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I mean, and, and, you already have a contract, and that contract says you face whoever I tell you to face. And I realize yeah. there's a suspension of disbelief thing here, and so we want to believe it. But we also know that every single time, like, do a weigh-in, change it, do something different. Or, I don't know, do a couple contract signings where nothing happens, right? Going back to the, the back body drop thing, every once in a while, the things have to go as planned, for them to, when they go not as planned, feel impactful. Correct. Which is why I... And walk away. Sign the contract, shake their hand, see you at the pay-per-view, boom. Which I I would do a little smack talk. You can do a little smack talk without anybody getting violent. When was the last time that you actually saw it come to blows at a UFC weigh-in or contract announcing? No. They always come nose to nose. Yes. If they come nose to nose, they smack talk a bit, they go mmm, 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 and puff their chest, but they don't actually fight. Save that for the pay-per-view, man. Uh, now, yeah. in conjunction, I'm giving accommodation for AEW because in the lead-up to the Sean Spears versus Cody Rhodes uh, match, they did a contract signing on the Road to Double or Nothing, I believe, uh, and they set it all up, and we were expecting it to come to blows, and guess what? Cody Rhodes walked in, signed the paper, walked out, everything was done. Perfect. Great storytelling. Sets it all up. I believe in, in, in storytelling or in theater, this is called scratching the record, right? Correct. So, so they just scratched the record. Made a big change. Yeah. Which allows the next time that there's a dispute that happens at a contract signing for it to be legit. Exactly. So next quick shot crime. This was submitted by my wife. Crime against USA Network and Nugenics for playing that GD Frank Thomas ad nearly every commercial break on USA Network. Anyone listening internationally might not get to see that all the time, but it is almost every break. Hey, is that Frank Thomas? Oh, the big hurt? Oh, he's looking oh, good. Oh, like big honk. Ah, <laughs> oh, it's just, it's incessant, and it's every damn time, and oh, I'm so tired of it. brought up so many times, and they uh, they have changed it recently, but the bigger problem is 
why is this woman working out with a man other than her husband at the gym who's not like a personal trainer or anything? He's just, hey, we're going to hang out and go work out at the gym. And yeah, eventually. About, I wish my husband had used that. Like, the whole thing just seems very cheaty to me. <laughs> yeah. They did update it recently to suggesting that that's husband and wife, but it's still, it's just, it's enough, right? First of all, are we really thinking that all professional wrestling watchers on USA Network need Nugenics? Well, I mean, we believe all of them need Bluetooth. Well, but that's an enhancement supplement that works. <laughs> Your first shipment is free. Just pay $5 when you, I don't know. We're not sponsored. Don't go there yet. Hashtag still not sponsored. <laughs> okay. And then the final quick charge, quick charge against shop.wwe.com for being that business. We've all seen them. That business that always has a going out of business clearance sign up, but it's obviously not going anywhere because they've been doing it for years. Well, it, it's part of, it's part of, you know, Vince buying that pissant t-shirt company, which is www.shirt.com. That's the pissant t-shirt company that, that Triple H was talking about, right? Uh, yeah, it must be. It couldn't be any other pissant t-shirt company. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, I know he's talking to <laughs> Billy, but maybe Billy's job, side job was working for www.shirt.com when he signed with AEW. Because that sure as hell ain't no pissant t-shirt company right now. No, it is um, not. But every week when we're on it, if it's not the Frank Thomas Eugenics ad, it's an ad for shop.wwe.com that says, tonight only, all t-shirts are 40% off. Tonight only, it's happened every twice a week, every week for the last six months. I think there was one time they changed it to, uh, you know, title belts are half price or whatever, but it's almost always yeah, been But it's served. just tonight, though. I mean, yeah, just tonight. During the show, and every other night. Yeah. Oh, just is, tonight, is it that way? You've gone on there and it's, I, it's that way the other nights? I, I don't know for 100% certain if it is the other nights, but. Well, why, why it, would you not have it that way? In which case, this is, this is the same thing that annoys me with realtors. The store that has the forty percent off sale all the time, y'all. That's the price. It's not a sale. Yeah, yeah. At, at what point? At what point does a sale price just become the regular price? Yeah, if it's just yes. been that way the entire time. Yeah, you know, like like any any car that always has a thousand dollar rebate. That is always that's just the price. And exactly. Cool, but it's actually the price. Okay, and then the final thing, well, the final two things I want to get to. We're going to do our Class of Champions predictions really quickly, and then we are recording this earlier in the day, Sunday afternoon, so no one is going to hear this until after Class of Champions, I believe, but we want to get this out there so everyone knows what our predictions are real quick. Um, so we're going to do that, but before we get to that, we did have a question from one of our jury uh, regarding last week's episode. Uh, when I went out on my little rant about the figure four only should be used by bad guys because it's the one that allows people to cheat while using the submission. Uh, because the referee has to check their shoulders to make sure they're not down, so that allows the person to cheat. Uh, jury member Jodo Cow on Twitter 
at Jodo Cow, Shane Williams. He's actually the same person who submitted the crime against Kevin Owens last week as well. He tweeted at us that the jury has a follow-up question to the idea that the figure four should not be used by faces because of flair-liking mood because it allowed them to cheat. Does an armbar submission fall into this category because of the person on the receiving end is also on their back? And I said we discussed it a little bit on this episode, so... I'm going to say no, it doesn't. I'm going to say no, it doesn't. And I'm going to say that after ample thought, because now I'm a member of the jury when somebody else gets to to submit the crime and the reason behind it, I get to be a member of the jury. And this is kind of cool for us in these segments. Um, It's not the same because you can't cheat at an arm bar um, by taking your hands off their arms and pulling on the ropes. Um, the only thing that would change that is if your shoulders were completely down on the mat, in which case, if you're getting checked, then you can kick them in the face or something. And if that was illegal, it's not, but if that was illegal, whatever it may be. I would also interject that there is more than just the figure four, but as we talked about it, there were four segments, four pieces to that that made it the most vicious um, heel submission, not just the the pinning, but the fact that you get to look him in the face, the fact that you can cheat, the fact that the ref has to be over there, not only to check and see if they're if they're submitting, but also to check their shoulders. So it, it made it the most heel. I would say there were exactly. other heel ones. I would say that there are other heel ones like the sharpshooter. You can do the sharpshooter if just grabbing the ropes makes you more leverage. That works. Yeah, and, and, I, I would say the idea behind kayfabe is anytime somebody's uh, administering a a submission hold and they can put their feet on the ropes or their hands on the ropes, that's supposed to make it more vicious. Exactly. So I would say that so, some of them are equally as as. Cheatable, I would say that there's more to it than just that that makes it cheatable. I would say exactly. the arm bar is nearly the least cheatable. I would agree. Because you have to use your whole body on one body part. Exactly. And that kind of was the point that I was going to make on it. It's basically the same thing. There are other ones that you can cheat at by grabbing the ropes or whatever. Like you said, the sharpshooter or scorpion death lock, however you want to refer to it. Uh, yep. The Steiner recliner, arguably, you could grab them with one hand and reach back with the other one. But none of those have that uh, thing where the referee has to be checking their shoulders um, to make sure they're down. In the arm bar, almost every time someone's doing it, if they're doing it right and really cranking on it, they're actually lifting their hips up, which would lift one of their shoulders off the mat. Therefore, yeah. they're not pinning, right? On top of it, they need both hands to hold onto that wrist, to have wrist control, to stop the person from just bending their elbow and being like, ah you know, whatever, right? So you have to keep that wrist control, keep both arms on it, and then lean back uh, to do that, that arm bar to effectively do it, which means you don't have a free hand to cheat. Um, and then the third one is, even outside of kayfabe or talking kayfabe with the whole put your hands on the ropes, 
putting your hands on the ropes when doing an arm bar isn't going to get you any added leverage because you're laying down under the level of the bottom rope. And right? everybody knows that it won't help you. Exactly. So there's no believability there. I yet to actually see another, like you said, another uh, submission maneuver that is as 100% heel as the figure four, right? Just because it requires that. Arguably speaking, though, the figure eight, uh, Charlotte Flair's version of it, is less cheatable because she does the bridging to add extra pressure, but that means she's got her hands on the mat doing the bridging, so she can't add the extra leverage with cheating. So the figure eight is a more face move than the figure four, just by default. But we are welcome. More comments like this. We'd love to love keep this debate comment. going. In fact, I have yes. an assistant here who will actually say hi and tell everybody thank you for those comments. Go ahead and say hi, bud. Just say hi. Hi. So um, apparently one of the uh, DAs in training, um, one of our law students, our parents, wanted to talk there real quick. So, well, <laughs> welcome to have him. Someday we'll get to hear his views on it. Yeah, not yet. But, He's just a para. He didn't. He didn't have yeah. opinions yet. Most of just does research. Yeah, does a lot. You know, sitting and watching when Dad watches. Anyway. <laughs> All right, so is this and prediction that, side? Yep, now it's prediction today? time. Prediction uh, time. I'm pumped. I am too. Um, I've got them printed out here. They they don't apparently uh, have them in any real specific order, so I'm just going to kind of go, I don't know, back to front. C currently, uh, when I printed this out, they said there were 11 matches, including the pre-show matches, um, to go on. So starting off, but almost definitely on the kickoff show, Cruiserweight Championship match, Drew Gulak, who's the champion, versus Lince Dorado and Humberto Carrillo. Um, okay, so I've actually, uh, I, I love Gulak in this role. I love that it's not a luchador. However, I think we've been, I think he's been, if I remember right, he's been as the Cruiserweight champion for quite some time right now. Um, I think it was WrestleMania? I, yeah. I also really, really, really feel good about Umberto Garrio. Um, having seen him live at SmackDown uh, when they were in Lincoln, Nebraska, do you remember this? Yes, it was a banger of a match. Oh, my gosh. Best match of the night, with the exception of enjoying Randy Orton taunting the crowd. Um, and, and our odd discovery of finding out that Roman Reigns really does have a lot of pop. Um uh, I'm going to go with Carrillo on this. I, I really think it's about time to see Gulak lose. And I know I'm going to regret it, but that's my guess. Well, to be perfectly honest, I was uh, basically in that same uh, boat here. I do believe that uh, that it's time for Gulak to to move on and lose at least. Um, so, so I'm going to go with Gulak losing. I'm just kind of Trying to decide here uh, if I want to go with Humberto Carrillo, like you, or whether I just want to go dark horse on Lince. I might go Lince just to be dark horse on this. 
Here's a fun fact on Humberto Carrillo. He is actually a member of the Garza family. So uh, he is a cousin of Garza Jr., who now wrestles on uh, NXT and 205 Live as uh, Angel Garza. Uh, so they're cousins, second cousins. He is the nephew of Hector Garza, the grandson of Humberto Garza, the son of Humberto Garza Jr., and the grandnephew of Mario Segura, second cousin of Mascara Pupura, and second cousin of El Ninja Jr. So he's, he's actually got a pretty big family tree, but I remember growing up watching Hector Garza on WCW. And so finding out that Humberto Carrillo is related to him uh, actually cracks me up. So, You know what else cracks me up? The fact that you are Officer Smarks, Mark Smarks and you did enough research to look that up. That is powerful for indictments. If I am a, in the future. I am a smart, smart, smart. That's a lot up to work. Anyway. Okay. Uh, second match. No DQ match. Roman Reigns versus Eric Rowan because Rowan tried to kill him a couple times. Yeah, well, I this, is think, your, this is yours first because I went first yeah. in the last one. So. I, I think... Um, I think they're going to give the win to Rowan because I think the feud is going to continue, and I think eventually we're going to find out that Daniel Bryan was behind it the whole time, I think. So. Yeah, um, I'll say Roman because Roman can't continue to stay mid-card, um, especially if he's going to be the marquee with Fox. I think they need to start moving him toward the title run. But I would say it would be really stupid to do this feud. Really, really stupid to do this feud to have Eric Rowan lose. I agree. Like, as a whole, I think right now this the entirety of this feud is stupid. Yeah. Okay. I see championship match. Shinsuke versus The Miz. Oh, man. Um, is this a double turn? Like, I'm... I'm yeah. Has potential for it. I don't see them right now turning Shinsuke face uh, with him, with Sami Zayn right now. I think they're going to keep him heel. Um, but like we said on our uh, previous show, I don't remember if it was our prediction show or not, our, our fantasy booking, The Miz really, no, it was last week. Uh, the Miz was, yeah, it was WB. as a face. The Miz as a face is not working, so I don't know if putting the belt on him helps, but I could see them doing that. So I'm going to say The Miz. Um, well, I think the fans have gathered by now that D.A. Fabe is a huge fan of The Miz, and I hate saying the same thing as you, but I have to say it. I think that um, I think that Shinsuke needs some development, and a title doesn't do that. So I'm going to say The Miz. Okay, uh, U.S. Championship, AJ Styles versus Cedric Alexander. I frankly don't see any reason for them to put the belt on Cedric. I love Cedric. He's a, he's a banger of a wrestler, but he's not ready for a belt. So The only reason that they do that is because they, are, they do need to start developing mid-carters for two separate brands because they've, they've hitched themselves to this... Um, wild card rule that needs to end and they know it needs to end. So I'm going to, I'll differ with you. I don't like that I'm differing with you. 
because um, I don't see this actually happening. But I'll differ with you because I do think that they are aware enough that you can't do all of this before Survivor Series when this when the brand has to be split by. So I'm going to go ahead and say Cedric Alexander gets the win. Okay. Uh, that left a bad taste in my mouth. <laughs> well, speaking of bad taste, uh, I'm not going to even make that joke. Women's Tag Team Championship match. <laughs> Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross versus Fire and Desire. I personally, this is a tough one. I personally, what was that? I can go first if you want. I just needed to mute for a second. So this That's is fine. Fire and Desire versus um, the current women's tag team champions. Yes. Um. I, I, my hope is that WWE is learning that long-term storyline matters. Um, it seems like they are. Um, what, what really seems like they're doing, unfortunately, is long-term title reigns matter and not long-term storyline matters. I, my hope is that they've got long-term storyline in mind and that this is Alexa and um, Alexa and Nikki. Um, so I'm going to go with a retention. Okay. I agree with you, uh, mostly because I think Alexa and Nikki have a lot of, um, a lot of work to do to establish themselves as, as a team, and I just don't see them being able to do that without the titles right now. So, the only other thing would be if this is where they have the Alexa turns on Nikki or Nikki turns on Alexa, but I think it's way too early for that, so. Okay. Yeah, I would. We agree on that one. Yeah. SmackDown Tag Championship. Uh, SmackDown. So, uh, here, SmackDown Tag Team Championship. It is the SmackDown Women's Championship. Bailey versus Charlotte Flair. I think. Good. I, I think we have, um, Bailey has to win just because she hasn't been champion long enough, uh, for her to lose just yet and they have to establish that feud longer. Well, and how can you, now that she's a heel, how could you not have her maintain it? We know that heel champions just work better. Exactly. So, we agree there. I, I think I think we got to stick with Bailey on that one. Yeah. Raw Women's Championship. Becky Lynch, the champion, versus Sasha Banks. Um, I don't know. This is the return of the boss. Becky's held the title since WrestleMania. Um, she's been faintly challenged, but not really well. I, I'm gonna go with the boss. This is just well, we, we are actually in agreement again because I think Sasha takes the championship off of Becky. I think it's time for them to give Sasha a relatively long title run where she actually defends it successfully multiple times. Um, and I think it it's, gives a good chance for them to uh, free Becky up to move over to SmackDown and eventually go after the SmackDown championship so we have some Bailey versus Becky matches, which could be banger. So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and again, I, um, yeah, I, if not for timing... I don't know that I would. Well, no, because Sasha's back. I mean, how how did you get her back? You got her back by making her a main eventer. 
That's how they had to have done it. So had uh, had to give her probably, some sort it's of probably problem. in her contract to hold this title for a little while, and I think she's doing exactly. that tonight. Okay, SmackDown Tag Champions: New Day versus The Revival. Ooh, that's that's a tough one. Oh. Like. This hasn't had hardly any build because the uh, New Day were basically injured the entire last month's kayfabe injury uh, to sell this. Um, I'm going to go with the Revival. I think it's, you know, they they still are trying to get them to resign and go after that. So I, I think uh, they, they get the championship. Um, I... Uh... I really think that this will be an indicator of what happens in, in the world title match, WWE championship match. Um, I don't think that they're going to put all the titles on the New Day right now. Um, and because I think Kofi will retain one more time and lose at Hell in the Cell, um, I'm going to go ahead and say New Day loses this one and Revival wins. Okay, so we agree on that one again. Uh, since we were on the subject of very, very different reasons, different reasons, same result. Uh, since we're on that, you already said you think Kofi retains versus uh, Randy Orton in the WWE Championship match. Yeah, I actually agree as well. I think the important thing to point out is we both said retains, not necessarily wins. Wins. I think it very easily could be a smudge finish where uh, double DQ or DQ finish where, you know, Randy uh, just goes off on Kofi, leading up to a big match at Hell in a Cell next month. So, Raw Tag Championship. Seth Rollins and Braun Strowman versus Dolph Ziggler and Robert Reed. Um, not only am I excited for this match, I'm excited to see Bobby Roode hold his um, tag team titles again. I think Dolph and Bobby both, I think there's better chemistry there than I expected. I think there's better chemistry there than there was the first night. Um, they were thrown together, and I think Bob, I think we have new tag team champions. I also think that you have to do that, otherwise it would be really, really weird in the world title match. So I think they have to lose, and I think that there will probably be some uh, funny business. I agree. I think uh, they win the tag championships. I think that, like you say, there's going to be funny business. Everyone's expecting Braun to turn on Seth so that he has a better shot at the Universal. I think it's going to go the opposite way. Yep, heels heels hold the title better, and Braun is not a Mm -hmm. good heel. Yeah, I think Seth. Yeah, Seth turns on Braun, costs them the tag title. Uh, also setting Braun up to be weaker for the main event. So, winner and new tag champions, Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode, or as they're calling him on the interwebs, Rudolph. <laughs> and then the final one, uh, Universal Championship match, Seth Rollins versus Braun Strowman. I'll go first on this one in conjunction with the last one. Uh, Seth Rollins turning on Braun Strowman to set him up to lose. Uh, possibly even get injured to make his match uh, easier at the end. I say Seth Rollins retained. Wow. I'm good. Okay. So we do differ on this, and this is surprising, because even though I think that you are 100% right on who's going to turn heel and everything, 
I think Braun telling the story of overcoming the beatdown that happened two to three matches before. I don't think it'll be consider. I don't think it'll be beginning of the sh- beginning of the show to the end of the show. I think there will be maybe an hour, hour and a half between the two matches. Um, I think that overcomer story is one they want to tell, even though he's a big dude. Um, uh, almost with you know an ambulance takeout and then him getting back barely in time for his match type thing. I'm going to say Braun gets his first world champion or uh, universal championship. And I'm going to say he gets it and he loses it at Hell in a Cell because Seth is heel and can cheat. Excellent. So we've got a couple differences. I'm looking down here. It looks like three differences. Um, four different, not three differences. Counting so no need for a tiebreaker this time. Nope. Nope, four differences, so there's still going to be a tiebreaker. So, um... We need a tiebreaker. Tiebreaker will be... This is a tough one. Um, so if we both agree that Rollins isn't going to turn, we can't use that one. Um, tiebreaker. All right. Kofi versus Randy Orton. Okay. What's your tiebreaker? Kofi versus Randy Orton. Does Is it a retention or a win? Exactly. Um... I go. Say, go ahead. Go ahead. You. I'm gonna say retention. That's <laughs> not a win. Okay. So it's not a win. It's a retention. Then I will, for the sake of argument on that. Normally I would agree, but for the sake of argument, I'm going to say that it is a win. A win. Mm-hmm. Trouble in paradise for the revival and Orton. One for everyone. Exactly. So that's our tiebreaker, and that will bring I us to like the I end of this you episode. I taking the tiebreaker first. <laughs> it's fine. It's, it's the nature of the beast here. I just need to do actually fairly okay on this one to make up for my absolute butt whooping I took at All Out. So I think I only got three right at that. So this will be I, my uh, redemption story. I hope. I I I do want to say one thing: is Da Fabe did not screw. Officer Marks. Officer Marks. <laughs> Officer Marks. Marks. Screwed Officer Marks. Screwed Officer Marks. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> uh, with muggings mysterious, all police and detectives are furious because they can't find the source of this lethally evil force. Wow, what a show. Good job, Officer Smarks. Redemption yeah. is sweet, is it not? <laughs> it is. It is. I I needed that uh, good showing to make up for All Out because I was not good at All Out. Um, so just to, to welcome back, this is probably going to be just added as an addendum on the end of the WBU, but we just got done watching Clash of Champions, or at least watching parts and most of it. I was still in the middle of the whole move thing, so I kind of missed a few bits here and there. Um, but we just kind of wanted to kind of go down the results, see where we stood. Uh, the spoiler was there. I won. Um, you did, my, you my did pers- your spoiler. You didn't need it, but you got it. Yeah. I also, yeah, I got the, <laughs> the, the spoiler thing too. So, so we'll just kind of go down the thing. Um, so in the kickoff, like we thought, Cruiserweight Championship match, um, neither of us expected Drew Gulak to win. We were both wrong there. Um, we, we split our votes over who of the challengers would win, uh, but we were both wrong. Drew Gulak, uh, retained, won and retained. Uh, AJ Styles, 
versus Cedric Alexander. I chose AJ. You chose Cedric. AJ defeated Cedric. Cedric. To be different for what it – that was probably the dumbest decision I've made in a long, long time. Like, since I got married. Yeah. Like, that's – Yeah. You've made some pretty dumb decisions, but uh, – <laughs> So then going on, Raw Tag Team Champions. Uh, and we had no surprise to both of us chose this. Uh, Dolph Ziggler and Robert Rude, Team Rudolph, defeated Ron Strowman and Seth Rollins to win the Raw Tag Titles. Um, I did expect no, uh, an odd turn there. We didn't get that. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't have a turn. No, in fact, no real shenanigans. Like we expected there would be something happen there, but really it was just the uh, same old story. Braun Strowman accidentally bowls over Seth Rollins at one point, and and um, leads uh, to the other team winning. But but we so, both predicted right. At the, at the very that? end of this, I, I have I have uh, a WBU question to propose. I guess so. Go on. Okay. So um. Then we move on to the WWE SmackDown Women's Championship, um, which was Bailey versus Charlotte. Both of us chose Bailey to win. Which is surprising because it was in Charlotte, but, mm-hmm. you know, that uh, only matters if you're from Canada. Yeah, oh, home, home person always loses, seems so. So, but so we were both right there. Uh, going on to the WWE Women's Tag Championship, both of us picked Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross to keep it, uh, win and keep it, and they did. Uh, it, it, it was a pretty good match, to be perfectly honest, and it really looked like they might lose it at one point, but they gave Nikki Cross the, uh, the win there. Um, she looked pretty strong in it, so that, that's did pretty you know nice that there. They, they had a couple ads, just the two of them in an ad. Um, mm-hmm. later on in the show, it was a video game. I don't remember what the game was. Yeah, yeah, I saw it. It was um, I don't know, Guns Guns of Glory or something like that. So yeah, which I think yeah. means they stick together um, longer than either of us expected. Of course, right now they're sticking together longer than either of us expected mm-hmm. at the beginning. So yeah, pretty cool. So so we were good there. Uh, WWE Intercontinental Championship. It had uh, Miz versus Shinsuke, and I picked Shinsuke, and you chose Miz. No, wait. I think we both chose Miz. Yeah, I'm looking at my notes. We both chose Miz. Yeah, we both chose Miz. Uh, I think think we just kind of expected um, them to give Miz uh, the belt to try to uh, bolster face Miz. Is what I was saying. I think so. Yeah, we both yeah, missed I that. Thought one. It was an opportunity to start turning him heel, um, and it may still be the opportunity to start turning him heel. Um, maybe like a temper tantrum tomorrow night or or Tuesday. Um, so yeah, yeah, yeah possibly. On. Then we got uh, WWE Raw Women's Championship. Sasha Banks defeated Becky Lynch via disqualification. So um, that's where we both got a point there because we both chose Sasha Banks, but we also both kind of expected it to be an actual win uh, instead of a disqualification, which, frankly, I I have an issue with that. For Hell in the Cell, though. It does. I think it builds great for Hell in the Cell. No, it builds great for Hell in the Cell. My, 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 point of contention in this is that we never, ever, ever see someone disqualified for hitting a referee 
uh, from the, you know, back. Uh, you know what I mean? The referee can disqualify them if uh, the referee wakes up from being hit and was like, I knew I got hit. I'm going to call for disqualification. But the referee never got up. We just later heard, yeah, I'm hearing from the back that uh, Becky Lynch has been disqualified for hitting the referee. First of all, it was an inadvertent hit. Well, so, um, intentional. She, I mean, she was going to be disqualified either way. She made contact with either one of them there. Um, yeah, but my point is she hit the referee inadvertently. So it wasn't a malicious hit of the referee. But my, we still, we don't have that. You know, we don't have instant replay from the back, judges review in the back. That's kind of the point in wrestling is that the ref in the ring is the one who makes the call. That's why ref bumps work in the first place is because the referee sitting around backstage can't just say, hey, I saw what happened while that referee was down. I'll call for the bell. So I have a little bone to pick with that particular ending. Mm, that I'm fine. I'm, sounds like it may be a crime at some point. It might be. Now, like I say, I, I don't have a problem with Becky uh, being disqualified. I have a problem with the disqualification happening uh, at the, the rest bump rather than rather than uh happening backstage or or you know well, she, she put, got back in the ring. Got back in the ring, put her in the disarmor and wouldn't let go when the ref said to let go. Well and it's not like we can't see the, it's not like we could see the referee. You could even do a ten count. Like yeah, ref, ten count ref came to on their way up the stairs, which took nine hours. Uh, <laughs> um uh, it was it was not a pretty crowd brawl. I will say, say no. that it, uh, it wasn't. Although although um, I think we're not very decisive. I think it was Corey Graves. I'll have to watch it again to be certain. But uh, when Becky Lynch sprayed the mustard on uh, Sasha's banks, and he said rubbing salt in the wound. Oh no, he said uh, I was gonna say rubbing salt in the wound, but that's mustard. And I think that's pretty funny. So I give him credit good for that. Job, good job, Graves. On occasion, I did not catch that that line, but that's okay. Yeah, I I thought it was funny. I would say she's rubbing salt in the wound, but that's mustard. So uh, then we move on. Uh, Kofi Kingston oh, by the way, versus did you, catch, did you catch the thing that you oh so badly wanted? The light sheet and steel in that match. I didn't. I didn't catch her actually doing it. She teased yeah. doing it, no, but she, she didn't actually. Oh, she slid a chair in the ring while the ref was pushing that other chair out. She hit. Um, she hit Becky with a chair as she was reaching out the rope. Well, yeah. And pull her back in. Yeah, but that's not quite exactly what. What I really no, want is the. What you want is the throw of the chair at them and then get them to throw the chair. Yeah. However, she can't really do that until she has the title. Yeah. Could be a good title. Well, that's why, that's why what I was really hoping she would do it on Bailey when Bailey was in a match with someone else to get Bailey the loss. But anyway, that's beside the point. So we move on to the final two matches of the night. Uh, or the final three matches, excuse me. Kofi Kingston versus Randy Orton. Uh, we both chose Kofi Kingston to win. Um, or to retain, I should say, because that was the tie break, is whether he won or re- just retained uh, by a disqualification or count out or whatever. Won by being forced to choose one. 
and mm-hmm. he won. He legitimately and I, and he, won. he just flat out won. So, but we both got the point on that. Feud. I think they're going to have to. They're going to, you know, I it's just leading to hell in a cell, isn't it? Really? Uh, yeah, but now they're two matches in. They're several months in. I don't know. I just don't. I don't. I'm not as invested in this as I'd hoped I would be. Like, yeah. For you know, in fact, when Kofi qualified to fight Daniel Bryan, the sixth person in the gauntlet was Randy Orton, and I was like, oh my gosh, give me a stupid, 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 stupid. Um, and now well, I have stupid, 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 stupid. I don't really have that much enjoyment from it. I'm done. I'm, I'm, they they really should have like even though we both chose Kofi to win. This was the time to give Randy the win to lead up to keep the if you wanted to keep the feud going. So unless um, you made it dirty, yeah, or a dirty win, you know, or whatever. But uh, second to last match, Eric Rowan defeated Roman Reigns um, with guest. with a special guest that neither of us saw coming. Both of us, oh, we split. I chose Eric Rowan. You chose Roman Reigns. Uh, so that's one place we spent, but neither of us saw Luke Harper coming. And in, in fact, I, I, we actually texted back and forth a little bit about it because we didn't see it coming so much. And I really got to give WWE props for this. Tons of props. They kept they, so uh, quiet. Not only did they keep it quiet, they were able to leak out to the point that uh, earlier this week I saw multiple different reports, including one directly quoting uh, Shagger Dave, uh, Dave Meltzer on Wrestling Observer Radio says, WWE has no plans to use Luke Harper in the near future. This was posted the 14th. Right. So just the other day. Uh, And so his insider was... We're saying that they have no chance. Don't, uh, Vince McMahon doesn't see anything in uh, Luke Harper, despite fans yeah. and all of this stuff. So, so that not only did they keep it so close to the vest that we didn't hear rumblings of it, they were even able to feed the opposite story out there and get it get it going, which which is phenomenal. So, tons of props to them. Tons of I'm even going to give a slow clap. The <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not waking up my kid, man. <laughs> um, however, it turns out the insider is not so inside, is it? Yeah, apparently not. Need to check his sources. Okay, and then the final match of the night. Seth Rollins defeated Braun Strowman, which is another one we split on. I chose Seth Rollins, you chose Braun Strowman. Um, and, and we did not get a turn, a heel turn from anybody. We did not get a heel turn, and my choosing Seth Rollins was based on a heel turn. Your choosing Braun Strowman was based on Seth Rollins heel turning and Braun Strowman overcoming. And so, so we were both wrong, and yet at the same point, we I was right. It's weird. Um, but so the final score between the two of us, I got nine right, you got six right. Uh, and then I stumbled into getting the tiebreak right. Um, so, you know, but all in all, I thought it was a pretty decent show, all in all. I thought it was no real surprises. 
we've seen from WWE in a while. Actually, I thought it was better than than the no real surprises. WWE, um, I, you know, if the gold standard is WrestleMania, this blew WrestleMania out of the water this year. I think. Well, um, yeah, no, I agree. I as as much fun as WrestleMania was because we had all the Cinderella stories in the end. From a from a wrestling standpoint and a storytelling standpoint, it wasn't the top of it wasn't the cream of the crop. That guy even at the time said the takeover the day before was actually or two days before was actually the better event at yeah. the time. So yep, yep, yeah. I would I would say, like say um, this may have been in my mind in in the wrestling you know the observer stars type of. Uh, rating, I would probably give this the fourth best pay-per-view of the year, fourth or fifth best pay-per-view of the year, and that includes AEW, um, who's put on some real just great shows. Um, so yeah, yeah, uh, congratulations to Clash of Champions. Um, mm-hmm. yes. so, and the only real surprise, what was that? wasn't a surprise, we knew this was coming. But we didn't know whether the attack would happen tomorrow night or tonight. I sincerely thought he was going to go backstage. I, it was far enough along. I thought, okay, he's walking out, and the attack will happen tomorrow night. Oh yes, the uh, the fiend attacking Seth Rollins after after the the championship match was over. He's posing up on the uh stage lights go out the fiend comes hits the sister abigail to start with lights go out this is the weird part lights went out and then they came back on and he's still out there and he does the hurt and heel hands with the hurt hand up to his head and then he does the mandible claw on a basically unconscious seth rollins already um yeah. and kind of laughs it's and yells at and laughing yeah. and yeah it was odd yeah the uh the the weird thing was the lights going out and then back on again in the middle of that. Yeah. I just didn't see the point in that. Um, like well, it, to me, it would have made more I would sense. I would say that it looked they, like he was holding him up, holding up a, a head, because the camera angle only showed a very small port of Seth's torso. So it looked like he was holding a, like a like a voodoo head out which did give kind of a little bit of a pizzazz to that um, by doing that. You know, and and it allowed Seth to get up and, hey, are you okay, type thing that happens in the dark, Mm -hmm. you know, on the the real side, not the kayfabe side. Um, the, the, The interesting question that I think that poses for me at the very end, so we saw a moment in history where one of two major factions showed up. Last time we saw really faction warfare was the Shield versus the Wyatt family. Um, and now, and then we saw the Shield break down, um, becoming the authority versus everybody type thing. Uh, and um, we hadn't really seen the Wyatt family all come to fruition. Uh, impressed with Eric Rowan? more than I expected, but two of the final two matches had Wyatt family members in them who all kind of still wear the same gear. Is The Fiend going to reassemble, do you think, here? I I don't want to sound negative here. I hope not. 
if only because uh, Harper and Rowan and Braun Strowman have worked really hard over the last two years to try to move on to show that they can stand on their own. And would you put them back in the Wyatt family that drops them down the card again in my in my mind? Uh, really? They just become lackeys again. And the whole story right now with Eric Rowan is I'm nobody's lackey. And then he joins the go, rejoins the Wyatt family. Suddenly he becomes the lackey again. See, but you I don't know? think you have to do that. I I think it could be like reassembly and evolution has been like the Four Horsemen has been. Um, the problem is, after Especially Evolution disbanded... doesn't have to hold the title. I agree. But after Evolution disbanded, years, a few years later, there was demand amongst the crowd to see Evolution again. Uh, after DX disbanded for a while, there was demand to eventually see DX again. I don't see the fan support for seeing the Wyatt family again. In fact, for the most part, and I think most people out there would agree, uh, they would be fine if if Bray Wyatt and The Fiend put the whole Wyatt family behind them because there's still too much House of Horrors negative to it. I also, to be perfectly honest, to be perfectly honest, I don't want to see Bray Wyatt leading a faction anymore. Uh, in fact, the only faction I want him to see is the the puppets, right, with him. And as far as I'm concerned, that's, that's all kind of in his head. And so, you know, good guy Bray Wyatt and has the puppets in his head, and bad guy the fiend comes out by himself and destroys things. And I think that I works better than having him. I would have liked to have seen a fun house at the end of that, though. Well, that's what, when the lights first went out, I was like, are they going to come back up and, and Bray standing there in his Firefly Funhouse gear, kind of looking all like, oh, geez, I didn't expect that to happen. But they didn't, so. <laughs> Whatever. Well, um, like I said, no. And everything, so I thought, okay, no real, me a Firefly Funhouse to go out on. Yeah. But no real big surprises. I mean, the Bray Wyatt, we expected to happen tomorrow, like you said. But it's still not surprising that it happened. Luke Harper was probably the biggest surprise of the night. Like, oh, I mean, every other match, every other match ended more or less the way we expected it to, give or Wait, take the disqualification. Nine, nine, correct? Well, but but my point is, like, I mean, we didn't expect uh, Becky Lynch to lose by disqualification, but we expected Sasha to win, technically, so... You know, we all expect, both have expected Bailey. We both expected Nikki and Alexa to win. Uh, we both expected AJ Styles to win. You just chose Cedric to try to be different. You know, there wasn't like any like huge, massive, yeah. shocking surprises other than, uh, Luke Harper showing up and, and Bray Wyatt attacking at the end. So, but uh, like I say, it was a good, good pay-per-view all around. I'm excited to kind of see the fallout over this week and, and, you know, maybe maybe uh, the FBI will come at us with some fantasy booking to come out of that, so. Yeah. Well, here's the deal. When, and this, maybe a teaser for one of my FBI's, so you can, you can think about this. When AJ, if you remember, um, frequently when, when a main eventer holds an IC title or a U.S. title or 
yes, you saddle right now. Um, when a main eventer like AJ holds something like that, um, frequently what they'll do is they'll have them lose to a mid-carter, which does put them over. So eventually, we might see a Cedric Alexander-type guy win over AJ to slowly put AJ back into the main event picture. That would be kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he's definitely a guy that could put over a Cedric Alexander, a um, Apollo Cruz, somebody like that. Yeah, but but anyway, so that's our quick recap of what happened, and and going down there, I have a little bit of redemption from All Out. Um, but uh, once again, thanks uh, for tuning in and listening, and we will be back with a visit from the FBI in a few days. But that will do it for this week's episode of the Wrestling Booking Unit, Raw and Order WBU. Uh, like, share, subscribe, tell your friends. Follow us on Twitter, at Raw and Order WBU, or at Dame K-Fabe. K-Fabe. <laughs> um, uh, also, great, great way to listen to that episode that we were talking about where that maybe becomes different, because I don't like being Dame K-Fabe. <laughs> but uh but make sure check us out on anchor.fm if you haven't checked us out there you can leave us voice uh messages that we can play on our show so we'd love to do that otherwise it should be available wherever you listen to podcasts uh apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify uh, make sure to check back. We will be doing these weekly for the WBU, and we will be doing the fantasy booking investigations weekly as weekly well. As well. So, so, so Tuesday night is fantasy booking um, WBU, so it should go live on Wednesdays. And mm-hmm. WBU is supposed to be Thursday nights, but um, we both had hiccups that caused yes. that to not work. So, so twice um, a week, if those check don't us out on those days. We're sorry. We're sorry. Yell at us on Twitter. We love it. We love it. We love it. In fact, we'd love it if you guys disagreed with us about some stuff. Disagree with us. Yell at us. Tell us we're wrong. Point out when we make mistakes. Interact. It's great. But I also did want to really quickly mention we've been working hard on trying to get the audio better. We do know that we've had some audio hiccups in the last ones. Um... Audio levels different. Um, some some weird audio issues on the last ones. We've been working hard to try to get that figured out. Uh, so hopefully this one works better. But we're going to continue to try to improve. And hopefully we will see you in a few days at a visit from the FBI. Thanks for coming. Thanks for listening. Like I said before, like, share, subscribe. Give us five stars on whatever platform you listen to uh, us on. And uh, we will see you at the next one. Thanks for listening. In the future, if we ever go to trial again, maybe we ought to know what we're doing.